What is up, Cowboys Nation? Welcome to the Writer's Block Podcast. As you already know, we are the two best hosts ever. Uh, I'm Jess Navarez, at Jess Navarez underscore on Twitter. And then, of course, Brent and Lori. This would not be the podcast without Brent and Lori. I'm just saying. It would not be complete because the most dynamic duo ever. That is Brandon is right on Twitter, and that is W-R-I-T-E, because he writes and he is also right um, because there was just a lot of pre-draft conversations that we had that you can go back to, pull your receipts, and Brandon knows what he's talking about when it comes to the draft. But all that to say, a long weekend of draft coverage, to say at the very least, Brandon, how are you recovering after like 14 hours of sitting and basically just being held hostage to the NFL draft? I'd like to think that if this was re- we had to record this on Sunday, I would have just said, hey, Jess, I'm calling in sick today because uh, it, it would have been impossible. The The task of sitting down and everybody in Cowboys Nation who covers the draft, all the content creators, like I give everybody a ton of credit. Everybody on the draft show, Aisha Morrison, of course, her first time, Zach Wolchuk, all those guys. It's like it is a long, long weekend. I, we were talking about this before how uh, my wife, she's like, what? What? What is what is this event? And I said, well, it's like a three-day marathon of drafting new players into the NFL. And she's like, what is it, like football Coachella? And I was like, yep, that is exactly what it is. Uh, there's a lot of events. There's a lot of farm animals involved making picks and selections, people of all types, and get up on stage, all these fans. And like now we're at a place where influencer, influencers are making picks, which is still strange, and I don't know what value they bring to that. And <laughs> It's just, it is a crazy, yeah, it's a crazy weekend. And of course we had our blog and the boys, you know, live stream all three days and RJ and I were, were doing it all three days and it was awesome. Cause I think him and I got to know each other on a personal level. Uh, so, you know, now we bonded over our music tastes, our food likes, and, uh, it, we've definitely become closer, which is the whole point of the draft. You want to get close with everybody, uh, who you're with, but you know, shout out to homage to the people who set us up with all the t-shirts. Of course, if anybody wants to go purchase some of the ones that we wore, they have a huge Dallas Cowboys collection of just awesome, you know, Cowboys gear. So shout out to them. But yeah, a big, long three-day marathon. The Cowboys have new players, and that was the whole thing that we were excited to talk about. So at the end of that whole weekend, I did not want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to lock myself in my house and and just take a full 24-hour cleanse. Uh, But now that we're back, I'm excited and rejuvenated. Good. You you needed some R&R time, especially after just that much time talking about the draft, which is fun when you're in the moment. And then as soon as it really stops, you're like, dang, I'm tired. Like (laughs) you don't realize how much your brain kind of autopilots at that point. And then you stop and you're like, I need food. I need sleep. I need just to stand up for five minutes because I've been sitting on the computer. But yeah, Lucy hit the nail right on the head by saying it is the Coachella of the NFL. Uh, You even have the new outfits, if you will, with uh, the guys getting their new jerseys. So I love that. Uh, She connected those two things. It's actually just perfect. But you know, what's interesting about the draft is I was at the draft party at the star and thank you guys so much to those of you that said, hello. Um, it was really cool to actually just meet people that interact with us online in person and just it's so cool to meet people that support us. So thank you so much um, for all of that. But it was so interesting because let me say um, I was there the, the first night. That's the only night they had the, the big draft party outside. And look, I'm right there with y'all when the selection was announced as Mozzie Smith, everyone was like, oh wait what hold on um 
hold on. It just wasn't what they were expecting. It wasn't a bad reaction. It just not what anybody was expecting. Mm -hmm. So, um, what I've noticed a lot around, especially Cowboys Twitter, y'all sometimes you need to take a breath sometimes (laughs) is the initial reaction you have to these things. It's just kind of shock because you put so much heart and soul and energy into like these mock drafts and what you think is going to happen. And you're reading in between the lines with all the press conferences and all the conversations, but then they take a totally different direction. They smoke screen you and you're like, Oh wait, no, we're actually going like a very different direction here. It's not bad at all at all. But was there, you know, an initial reaction you had to this draft class as a whole and has it changed now that you've kind of had the weekend to R&R, rest, rejuvenate, sit on it a little bit, think about it more? Has that initial reaction changed for you? I think the initial reaction, not only from the Mozzie Smith pick, uh, RJ, when we were on the draft cast, me, Danny, and Tony were, I think, a little more disappointed than RJ. RJ was like, it almost seemed like somebody peed in our Cheerios, uh, you know, which was a weird analogy to talk about and bring up. But so gross. Yeah. yeah no. And, and Nobody I have any ideas to do that today. Thank well, you. And I likened it to. <laughs> If I wanted cereal, like keeping with the cereal analogy, I said I wanted Cinnamon Toast Crunch and I was given Captain Crunch. Like we're all in the same crunch area, but it just was the different cereal. I wasn't expecting a Mozzie Smith pick. When we were looking at the board and the players who were available, you have Joey Porter Jr., you have Nolan Smith. And those were two guys who me, Danny, and Tony, like putting all the work, doing, seeing all the players, we thought that those guys were highly graded more so than Mozzie Smith. But when you look at the actual pick as a whole, like you said, after reflecting on it and everything, he's going to be an instant starter, whereas a Nolan Smith and a Joey Porter Jr. probably don't get on the field more so than like what a Sam Williams did last year, where it's just intermittent snaps, you know, getting to just get a feel of the NFL. But Mozzie Smith is coming in with the expectation that he's supposed to be the starter. And I think that when we break down a lot more of these players, you look at Jonathan Hankins, like he's an aging player, very similar nose tackle position, but they also hope that Mozzie presents a little bit more pass rush ability, which Hankins doesn't really have that. Of course he had the sack uh, against the Tampa Bay Bucks in the playoffs, but he's not known to be like that type of guy. Mozzie has the athletic prowess to be a pass rusher. And if they can get that out of him, you hope that he becomes more of a more dominant defensive tackle within the league, as opposed to just being just a run stuffer nose tackle. So, Initially, a little disappointed, but not in a way where it's like I wanted them to get, you know, different players and the sky was falling. I think when fans look at the way that the Eagles drafted over the weekend and you think that those are the main the main team that's the biggest competition within not only the division, but the conference to get to the Super Bowl. It's almost like the Cowboys were trying to do everything opposite to kind of compete and counteract with that. But that's not how teams are supposed to draft. You can't keep that in mind. And it's like, that's what you hope. But at the end of the day, they're going to take the players who they want. So I think at, at the end of the day, the best way I could describe it is it was almost vanilla you know, where it was safe. It's a safe pick. You're not going crazy with a different flavor. It's just something that's standard. Um, The Cowboys have had great drafts over the past few years under Mike McCarthy. And when you look at the starters who are going to be playing this year, you don't want your draft guys to come in and just compete with somebody like a CD lamb or Stefan Gilmore. Like you want these vets to play. So getting somebody, it's like, it would be great to develop and you want to prepare for the future. But Michael Gallup has to get on the field. Deron Bland has to get on the field. So with a lot of these picks for guys who you wanted, it's better just to get starters and rotational guys. And I think the Cowboys accomplished that, even though the initial reaction for a lot of fans was just like, could it be better? But I graded out as a B plus. I think it's just solid across the board and we'll see. I think that these guys have a lot of potential to prove us wrong. And if they don't, then it's okay. You kind of move on within the next year. 
You know, I took a lot of things out of that. But my first question, Brandon, is <laughs> would, you, would you really prefer Cinnamon Toast Crunch over Captain Crunch? Is that like for real? Yes. I, 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 I have to, it, the one thing with Captain Crunch for me is like when you eat it, like I used to love it as a kid, but it would always cut up like the inside of my mouth. You know, so it's like cinnamon toast crunch is great. You could drink the milk afterwards as a cinnamon flavor. They sell they, they sell the cinnamon milk, you know, now like they bottled it up. And that's something we thought of doing as kids. So uh, we, we missed the boat on that. But yeah, cinnamon toast crunch is just superior. We did. We missed the boat on that. I'm going to disagree. I love cinnamon toast crunch, but like Captain Crunch is just elite in its own in its own way. Like it's just so good. Yeah. Um, I don't like milk, so I've I've never been like the milk drinker. I'm like, here you go, dump it down the sink. Like I, it's <laughs> milk just unless I'm eating cereal, you will not catch me sipping on milk. Like since since I was little, it just always grossed me out. I'm like, ah, not a, a big milk person. Anyways, I just had to clarify that. That yeah. really stuck with me. Um, but I like what you said. If you know, you don't always have to have the flashy or sexy pick right and i went on the uk cowboys fans um live stream for a little while i popped in and they were such a good time those guys over there so nice um and i popped in there and basically before mozzie was picked i said okay everybody let's get one thing straight here if it's not the sexy pick if it's not like who you had in mind on your draft board it does not make it a bad pick let's just remember that because you know it's like I said, the draft is something that I didn't really realize until this season, how serious people take this. Like people, oh, yeah. blood, sweat and tears go into those mock drafts. And I have so much more of an appreciation for all of that because it's so hard to do. Um, but if your mock draft was not correct, which I know a lot of us, all of ours were shot. I think round one, I think we all were like, Oh, never mind. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's okay. But it doesn't make it a bad pick. So with Mozzie and seeing everybody's reactions, that's why I thought to ask you because I just thought it was so interesting how right away everyone was like, oh, okay, but no, this is good. We needed that. Like, I, it was just such a smokescreen from the Cowboys really to lead us on this whole time that not only was it going to be an offensive player, but a tight end, a wide receiver, an O-line guy the whole time. And uh, they were scheming, they were plotting, they were being masterminds as uh, Taylor Swift would say but um let's go on to exactly who the cowboys have added to their team so welcome to the newest dallas cowboys defensive tackle mozzie smith as we just talked about we'll get a little bit more into all of them individually um tight end luke schoonmaker and yes it is schoonmaker (laughs) i know (laughs) the first day everyone we were saying this all wrong um it is schoonmaker so hope y'all are ready when games are going on we're gonna all say scoon because uh, just amazing perfect name uh for a little chant like that you have linebacker demarvian overshone which oh brandon i knew you would be working on some puns just like i was when we uh heard of overshone coming to the cowboys you have edge junior fihoko which i'm not even going to attempt to say like his real name it's, he goes uh, by junior. yeah it's viliami Viliami. Well, there you go. Viliami Fihoko, but he goes by junior. So that's what I will call him. Just like me. Real name is Jessica. I go by Jess. Like, who am I to just I, I thought you him? meant that your first name was like junior, like junior. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's gotcha. my dad. My dad is Jimmy Jr. So gotcha. there you go. Uh, wrong, wrong Navarez. You have offensive lineman 
Awesome Richards, which yes, I said that correctly. I've heard that name also mispronounced by me. I'm mostly calling myself out uh, for the last few days. Cornerback Eric Scott Jr., running back Deuce Vaughn. Oh, man. So good. Can't wait to get into that one. And then wide receiver Jalen Brooks. So, again, welcome to your newest Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, we will get into the undrafted free agents in a little bit. But as a whole, what do you think about this draft class? Like, let's give it... Let's give it a rating system here. Let's go with hmm, stars, maybe, because, you know, Dallas Cowboys, all the things, stars. As a whole, what would you give this? And again, guys, we're going to go down this individually. Um, We're going to go individually. We're going to talk about kind of who they're in competition with. But just as a whole, Brandon, how many stars are you rating this Cowboys draft class? I'll give it a three. And I'll say three because I think the top end talent And some of my favorite picks I thought were really good. Uh, I put down like some of my favorite picks, of course, the Mozzie Smith one, because it's the first round pick, but outside of him, like who else would I pick? And I put Deuce Vaughn, of course, and like you mentioned, we'll get into it. But I just think overall as a running back, if he was three inches taller, he would be a second to third round pick. But it's just the fact because of his size and and people don't know how to project his long-term health in the NFL. It's But this production speaks for itself, so that's something I'll talk about later. I really enjoyed, and I did like the Luke Schoonmaker pick, like as opposed to night one with Mozzie Smith being a little bit more of a letdown, and I think I had to change my mindset because when RJ asked, like, and I think even a fan asked, you know, who would be a disappointment? I, I threw out Mozzie Smith's name, and not as, like, again, disappointment of a player, but just somebody who I wasn't expecting, and then immediately when he was picked, I kind of had to take that mind frame out of, of what I was thinking, so I had to change that around. And then just the head scratchers, I think mostly was Eric Scott Jr., just somebody who not a lot of people had on the radar. Of course, he was a 30 visit, somebody that the Cowboys did meet with, but I think the consensus was the Cowboys could have got him as an undrafted free agent, but clearly they uh, felt the need to trade up uh, back into the top end of the sixth round and give up future capital. Nothing really concerning right now. It's not like they gave up a seventh round pick this year, but again, you're giving up later capital at the end. You hope the Cowboys pick at the back end of the draft next year anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And then DeMar Vion, uh, overshone, who I know Cowboys Nation loves, Texas native, uh, played at the University of Texas, uh, an all-around great guy. Seems like an energizer bunny, but to me, when I looked at uh, him as an overall player, I thought you could have maybe gotten him in the fourth round, but clearly the Cowboys liked him enough, not only in the third, but somebody that they might have actually been con- considering at the second round as well, too. So I thought just the draft value of where he was taken was just a little different from what I looked at. But like I mentioned at the top, I, g- I have to give the Cowboys the benefit of the doubt. I think when you look at it, like Michael Gelkin of Dallas Morning News gave it an A for, for a class. I wouldn't go that far. I give it three stars because I think that it leaves enough room. And I really don't like grading the class as a whole because they haven't shown anything yet, right? We're just going off of projections. We haven't even seen them in training camp and off-season programming. So I I remain to be proven wrong. I remain to be proven right. And I think that with this class, it's something where it's nothing flashy. It's nothing sexy as opposed to what Mike McCarthy said. He said it's sexy as hell. But I do think that this class is just your stereotypical scout draft players who maybe we don't value. But if the Cowboys have a clear vision for it, I trust them. And it's just based off of the grade. I'll go middle of the road. But I wouldn't be shocked if maybe two or three years from now we're looking back at this class saying, wow, the Cowboys proved a lot of people wrong and knew something that maybe a lot of the media didn't. Yeah, and look, I was talking to Brandon about this before we started recording. Everybody who's, like, trashing these players, these guys, the scouts, the front office, y'all, they are humans. At the end of the day, like, give me a break with that because it's just so 
it's so disheartening to see that you're that so emotionally charged that you're trashing these guys as people. I mean, at the end of the day, they're humans, and that is that. So let's always remember to be respectful of people on Twitter, uh, Cowboys Twitter. Y'all need to calm down, uh, as Taylor Swift also once said. But, you know, what I what I like about that is, like you said, it, we haven't seen anything yet. So maybe we'll go back to our ratings at some point, you know, after training camp, after we've had some time to really soak in uh, what we're working with exactly and how they fit into this team. But I'm going to go with the four-star rating mm. only because they are addressing needs immediately. Yeah. Like immediate needs that these Cowboys uh, or that the Cowboys as a whole needed to to address. And for me, one of the biggest concerns, um, we'll talk about the other one a little bit later in this podcast, one of the biggest concerns that really the Cowboys had all season was the run defense. And you really saw what a weakness that was when Jonathan Hankins was out. And then you saw it times two when LVE was also out at the same time. It was a big drop-off in, um, you know, such a strong defense. That was their one weakness. And what I didn't want going into this next season is I wanted to see the uphill trajectory of the Dan Quinn defense that we've continued to see but you needed to patch that run defense and you needed to make sure that there was not going to be a drop off anymore. And they did that in the first round. I was like, they want change defense wins championships. And we've heard really the Cowboys front office and coaching staff echo that same sentiment defense wins championships over and over and over. So naturally like, yeah, it makes sense that you're going to go a little bit more defensive heavy on this draft because that's the core of your team right now. Your identity has really switched from an offensive strong team to more of a defense. And so, yes, there was needs on your offense that you needed to address. But for the most part, look, really now you're just looking at an O-line where guys just need spots. And then it's kind of testy with who's going to be that guy that's going to step up, right? So, your O-line's not solidified, but other than that, your tied your tight end room is. It really is solidified. Even without Schoonmaker, I think you were solid with your tight end room. Uh, your wide receiver room is more than packed enough, which is an interesting conversation that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, you're covered. Your running back room, I, I thought it was, it was strong uh, pre-draft, but now they have their three guys that in their pre-draft conference, they said, ideally, we want three guys. Right. So it's like you have uh, Tony Pollard. You for sure. Now we're going to you're going to plug in Deuce Vaughn as much as you can. And then you have Rico Dowdle and um, Malik Davis that can really duke it out for that third spot, uh, if you will. And maybe one of them will even get that second spot. And um, so for me, you're you're addressing immediate needs with this draft. So for me, I respect that so, so much. Make the defense stronger and scare opposing offenses like. Don't eat, where are they going to throw the ball? What are they going to do with the ball? You're going to run it? No, you're not. You're going to pass it? No, you're not. What are they going to do? Really? Three and out? Yeah, that's what you're going to do. So um, for me, I'm giving them a four-star rating. But if uh, our loyal listeners recall, we had a Back to the Future episode a while back. So I figured, you know, let's have a little bit of a sequel here. We're going to go Back to the Future 2, where Doc and Marty actually literally go to the future and cars are flying. And it's actually funny to compare now that we're <laughs> in the future. Uh, the cars are really not flying and everything that they had envisioned for the future um, well, it's interesting. It's very different. There was one thing they envisioned the Cubs winning the World Series, and they ended up winning the World Series the same year that they did. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, pretty good. There you go. 
Um, well, there you go. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into the future a little bit here. We're not, we're going back to the future too, the sequel to be exact. And we're taking our DeLorean because what we're going to do with this draft class is, you know, there's only so much conversation you can have about these guys. And we don't want to like bore y'all with all of the same conversation you're going to hear for the next few weeks. What we want to do is we want to look ahead a little bit and we want to look at the competition in the room with these guys, because that's exactly what it serves is competition, more spots, more than others. You have uh, you know, Mozzie Smith, who I think will be more of a plug and play guy, but you have some guys that need to work for their spots. So let's get into it. Let's start with none other than defensive tackle Mozzie Smith, who, who else is in that defensive tackle room? Well, you have Quentin Bohanna, Neville Gallimore, Jonathan Hankins, and Osa Digizua. So a lot of big guys and guys that when you hear those names, they've been productive at times, right? Jonathan Hankins, I think, is really the only exception for me in that way to say he was consistently working to make sure that uh, the trenches were stuffed, that run defense was not a thing, and, um, you know, really overall was consistently ensuring success when he was on the field, right? Other than that, you saw flashes from really Neville Gallimore, Quentin Bohanna, Osa Digizua, but it's also because you you think of how Dan Quinn operates, you don't see all these guys at the same time. Right. So that's why you're seeing flashes of them. I think Jonathan Hankins was just the most consistent guy on the field um, in that way, but that's how Dan Quinn operates is you see guys versatile, uh, they're switching in and out all the time. He keeps guys on their toes. So again, not bashing the guys, but all that to say, that's your defensive tackle room. Brandon, when you think of all of that and you take those guys' names into account, really where does Mozzie fit into this? And we're talking about, you know, stuffing those trenches and, and making sure that that run defense is is solidified as being an issue of the past. How does Mozzie help this room get stronger? And do you really think he's in competition with anybody? Or is that starting spot really his at this point? Well, and doing the star ratings as well, too, kind of like one to five on how much value they bring to the actual room itself. I put it at a five because I do think that he brings something that only one person in the room has, which is Jonathan Hankins. But Jonathan Hankins last year missed some time because of a bicep injury. Um, And, you know, you don't know he's an aging player. He's over the 30 threshold. So getting younger at the position, I think, will make him be a little bit more than an impactful starter. I think you're going to see over 60% of the snaps, definitely probably over 70, 80. Um, But it will still be a rotation like you talked about. There's a lot of guys in that room. Quentin Bohanna is a bigger guy as well. But I think if you bring somebody in like a Mozzie Smith who's a little more athletic, I think that also makes it more valuable instead of like a Quentin Bohanna who really is just like a one-trick pony. He just takes up a lot of space. But when you're looking at the third and one, you know, maybe second and two, if you trot out, you know, Osa, Quentin Bohanna, Jonathan Hankins, um, you know, even, you know, somebody like a Mozzie Smith and just rotate maybe two, three of those guys, it'll be tough to run on this defense. And we've seen for years, like you mentioned, the run defense has been a problem last year. It was a problem. And I think that when you look at past Super Bowl winners, defensive tackle is a very important position to overall success. Chris Jones with the Kansas City Chiefs, Javon Hargrave this year with the Philadelphia Eagles, Fletcher Cox, all the guys that they have. And even going back to the Rams, they have Aaron Donald, of course, the Buccaneers, Vita Vea. Uh, I believe even Cincinnati had a guy in the center as well, too, that they relied on for run defense. So it's a position where you absolutely need a dominant player to be overall successful. So 
I think he's going to come in and be a star right away. He might not have the flashy, you know, sack numbers for what you see. Maybe Osa will have the the more prolific, you know, sack number. Maybe Osa has five this year, five or six. But I still, because of the pass rush potential, I think you look at Mozzie Smith as somebody might have five tackles for loss, two sacks on a rotation just to make sure he's healthy. But he definitely has the athleticism to kind of, I think, come in conditioning wise to be a really good player from start to finish. Um, and I think you're going to see a big impact in year one, but again, not on the statistical category, but in the film breakdown section, you're going to see him playing a huge role, especially with taking on double teams. Oh yeah. And I'm so glad you reminded me of this star rating. <laughs> Literally my idea. <laughs> it's what we're, it's what we're here for, right? <laughs> and this is why I'm telling you dynamic duo over oh, yeah. here because it just works. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say five stars. Like, that's an obvious one. Yeah. That is an obvious five-star rating. He's your first-round draft pick for a reason, and he is an immediate plug-and-play player where you just know he's getting snaps this season. Like, he doesn't really have to compete for anything. He can only make things better. Um, I'm scrolling through my notes right now because let me tell you, Brandon, I figured out I am more organized when I write things down. <laughs> The problem is, is like, can I read my writing all the yeah. time? Sometimes it's taken basically me decoding and deciphering what I wrote down and transferring it into actual notes on my computer. So um, it's been a real interesting time here. But what I like about him is his strength. He's a big guy. His oh, yeah. shoulders, his wingspan. I mean, this guy's a big guy and there's no doubt that his biggest strength is his strength. Um, and I love his mindset. Just... He adds to the culture of this room um, and, and the locker room as a whole. You can just tell he is that guy that is adding to it. He's not um, taking anything away from it. And what I love about this guy being one of the 30 visit guys is it tells me that when they're bringing these guys in for 30 visits, it's not just to assess their football. It's to also see if they fit into the culture overall as a Dallas Cowboy, which doesn't seem like a big deal to very many people, but when you see what Mike McCarthy is building upon and then Dan Quinn on the defensive side of things, there's just a common kind of guy, right? Like a common skill set, versatility, and then a common kind of attitude and a coachable attitude. And to me, Mozzie is so coachable and that's what makes him so appealing to somebody like Dan Quinn, who clearly sees plenty of potential in him. But, um, Obviously, his strength is a big thing. I love that his locker is right between Tank and Dorrance Armstrong. Um, just absolutely perfect there. And something he had mentioned during his press conference was that when he visited the Star during his 30 visit, he left feeling like he was in the powerhouse of the NFL. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, yeah. And you have to you you leave that and you match that energy when you get here. So for me, Mozzie's not a guy that's going to take advantage. Um, or take a day for granted, I should say, of being a Dallas Cowboy. He's going to fill the trenches. Y'all already know. And then, according to James Slater, she had tweeted out um, that he was the highest defensive player on the Cowboys board, according to one of her sources. So um, I'm just so excited to see what he can become. Very much uh, Micah Parsons-esque, somebody who went into um, the game already just being so skilled 
and people were questioning it and then look what happened well so I, i'm kind of getting deja vu with that and i think you'll see that he'll have a really good preseason because he'll be better than the people he's facing especially when it gets to that right. second and, ter- and third team and um the other thing is he was number one on bruce feldman's pre like college 2022 freak list and that list i mean you go down and there are some athletic freaks and the fact that he was number one being a 330 pound guy you know somebody who's just a massive frame and the one thing i really liked is when he, in his press conference he talked about that his goal going into college like and you see what he looked like as a freshman like as coming into Michigan and he said I wanted to retool my body get bigger get faster get stronger and like it's just he plays a position that doesn't get all the hype but he embraces it he did say like I'm here to help everybody like I'm here to let others eat and the fact that him and Micah were going back and forth and Micah's like you know I'm here to help you you're here to help me and we're both gonna eat like that to me is somebody who puts the team first and like you mentioned that's a McCarthy guy that's even going back to the Jason Garrett days where he's like a pros pro like he's a Garrett guy so I think that immediately you're gonna feel his presence in the locker room where even like a Tyler Smith like Tyler Smith last year took on a lot of responsibilities not because like he was like oh I can do anything like no whatever I need to do to help the team it's like he's the defensive version of Tyler Smith and ironically both last name Smith and the the two of them really hit it off when they first got there I know Osa reached out to him too and Tyler Smith they were talking and just to see the training camp battle between Tyler Smith and Mozzie Smith I think like this is what makes training camp so awesome and um, you just hope knock on wood like nothing happens but like the fact that two two strong men are going to be going against each other and iron sharpens iron that whole stupid cliche saying like I believe in it especially in the trenches at training camp so I think it'll be awesome to see and the thing about Mozzie is yes he makes your just defense as a whole uh elevated and he makes it better but he also kind of makes your offensive line better because when you're going up against and you're talking about iron sharpening iron he makes your o-line better when you have to face somebody like that every day you're naturally going to get stronger he's a big guy guys poor tyler biotish big guy (laughs) yeah you know what like y'all are about to get real strong but um yeah no i'm really excited to see mozzie and not only that but the respect of how he talked about his mom in, in that press conference and how he talked about you know um I, wa- I wanted to bring her to give her things that I ne- that she never thought she could get and yeah. give her better. Look, y'all, rule of thumb as a as a girl in general is how a guy talks about his mom says a lot about him. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I just respect that so much. But, um, yeah, Mozzie, GOAT, five-star ratings from both of us. Um, and if you hear Wit crying, I am so sorry. Uh, he just woke up from his nap apparently, so y'all know how <laughs> Wit is at this point. Um, okay, let's go to tight end Luke Schoonmaker. And yes, it is Schoonmaker. We're going to say that until we all get it correctly because even my brain keeps switching it back and forth. Um, in the tight end room currently, you have Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, Sean McCune, and Seth Green, which, hello, uh, Seth Green is left out of this conversation a lot. Uh, and when I say a lot, I mean always. So, not the comedian, though. No, not not to be confused with the comedian. You're <laughs> correct. Um, the tight end, actually. So when you're looking at what Luke can bring to this room as a whole, first of all, what is your rating here? And then second of all, do you think he's in competition with anybody? And I think this is a really interesting conversation to have, especially for Jake Ferguson, who had the year he had last year. But it really changes the conversation with Dalton Schultz no longer being in the mix. So is he up for that tight end one position? Is he not? Where are your feelings with all of that? 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I put his rating at 1.66 stars and I Oh specific. And oh my god. So goodness. the the reason why I did it is cuz I took the overall 5 stars and divided it by 3 because I do think that him <laughs> Ferguson see. and Hendershot they're all going to have an opportunity to contribute. I think that when Mike McCarthy was even asked, you know, do you see Schoonmaker as a starter? He said, "Well, I envision all of them getting an opportunity because I do think he runs a lot of 13 personnel." We saw it last year in in the Thanksgiving game where Dalton Schultz, Hendershot, and Ferguson all got an opportunity, like with the whack-a-mole thing. It's just everybody will get a role in this offense in the tight end room. Sean McCune might be the odd man looking in, you know, I think when it comes to this, but even he was on the active roster and they still carried four tight ends. So I think that that's something Mike McCarthy has already talked about. So I think selecting him doesn't necessarily mean that Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot are clearly number two and number three. I just think it's 1A, 1B, and 1C, and you just see who gets onto the field in certain situations. I think Schoonmaker is a perfect combination of Hendershot and Peyton uh, Hendershot and Ferguson. Um, I almost said Peyton Hendershot, which I guess is this, or you Jake, know, Jake Hendershot. Like, it's like those names that you just morph together. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? So Fergie, Fergushot is like, two people in one and that to me is Schoonmaker where I think even if you look at Schoonmaker and his film and everything and he wore the number 86 at Michigan he's just a taller Dalton Schultz like to me and and he also brings a little bit more of a blocking presence being an elite run blocker and that to me is why I think you're going to see a lot more of the run game Mike McCarthy has talked about this where you put him on the field he has experience he's also 25 years old or going to be 25 when he enters uh, the league in September so he is older as a rookie, but I think that also brings a lot of experience, a lot of maturity. And he comes from a pro style offense in Michigan where they ran the ball last year. They won an award for being the best offensive line in college football. I think him being a part of that, you can't leave him out. And their running back, Blake Corum, had over 1,400 yards last year. And that doesn't mean it's just because of the offensive line. They ran behind him a lot of the time. So Lunda Wells was on the draft show. He talked about he has a lot of experience working with tackles already. So it just seems like it's going to be a plug-and-play type player. So when I say 1.66, I think he'll have a four-star rating overall where maybe there'll be a little bit more of a learning curve, just learning the verbiage of the offense that Jake Ferguson and Peyton Andershot already have a leg up on. But I think that you'll see him right in the offense, um, barring anything happening in training camp. 
And I think that you're going to see him be just as successful as the other two. And he also brings a little bit more of a vertical threat. He's a little bigger, a little taller. So I think even the red zone, you might see some things with him as well. But he's he's sneaky fast. Like his split, 10-yard split is like 1.5, something like that. So against pro or uh, pro, fo- fo- pro football focus had his um, separation coverage against man coverage in like the 94th percentile. So I think you're going to see that he has sneaky speed, which a lot of linebackers will be surprised by. And yes, this is coming from a Michael Mayer truther where y'all you know, was just like convinced that yeah. the Cowboys were going to take Mayer. Uh, and then the Raiders just had to go break my heart once again because taking Jason Witten at one point just was not good was enough. Was not enough, yeah. Like, Here you go, Jess. Like, we're going to take another tight end that literally is being compared to Jason Witten, like stabbing your heart. So thank you, Raiders. Like, I took it personal and don't think I'll forget it. Um, <laughs> but no, I. I didn't really do a lot of digging into Schoonmaker until after the pick was made um, because he wasn't the flashy name, yeah. right? Like, And that goes back to what we were just talking about earlier. It's just because not the flashy name doesn't mean it was the wrong choice. Um, but I like what I see with him. And what I really, really appreciate is how Mike McCarthy talked about how he's how he can be really creative with his tight end room now. And he compared to me, said, yeah, well, I could do a lot of like Randall Cobb type esque things with him. And that to me, I was like, Mike McCarthy, look at you. Like, and it just that goes back to my whole point that we always talk about of like, Mike McCarthy knows what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to see how much he utilizes the tight end room as a whole, because we talked about this last season. I don't necessarily think they were utilized as much as they could have been or should have been um, last season, just in general, something interesting. I, I wanted to compare because this front office just continuously talks about like losing Dalton Schultz. And it really was a bigger loss than, I think Cowboys nation realizes as far as how much they valued him. And so I was comparing like size and height from Luke Schoonmaker and Dalton Schultz. They're actually the same height. They're both Mm. six, five. Um, He actually just weighs a few more pounds by like less than five pounds than Dalton Schultz at 249 pounds. So he is a bigger guy for being a tight end. I think why, you know, he he looks a little taller than Schultz is because he utilizes his size a little bit more than Schultz did. He's a little more lengthy when it comes to doing things. Uh, Schultz was just kind of very in his own box, yeah. if that makes sense. He wasn't going to reach for anything further than that. And if he did, you know, what, what kind of Im- implications would that have? Would he get the ball? Is it out of bounds? It's just, I don't think Schultz was really the same kind of tight end as him. The more I'm looking and comparing both of them, I think they're both just very different players. So I don't think they necessarily drafted him to replace Dalton Schultz. So all that to say, I think rightfully Jake Ferguson is tight end one at this point. He's gotten some offseason work with Dak. Dak's already trying to make that rapport uh, very known in the offseason. So that way you go into the season, that's already there. He feels comfortable. He knows what Jake is about. And you have that rapport just built. So I think really when you look at the tight end room as a whole, you're going to have your clutch guy. To me, in my opinion at this point, I think it's going to be Jake Ferguson. And then you're just creative as hell with the rest of them. I mean, I'm so excited. Um, Mike McCarthy even talked about how he sees tight end being more of a core position at this point, uh, the way the NFL is shifting. So to have a good tight end room is just so valuable right now. So I was really happy to see that, yes, they drafted a tight end uh, in the second round, but that the more I've looked at Luke, I I really think he's just the perfect mold for that tight end room, and he fits right in. So 
Well, I, 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 okay, so I, you were going to get to your star rating at the end. Okay. I was going to say you yeah. didn't say it yet. No, I will. I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a four star rating only nice. because yeah. I, I just want to see him mesh in with the rest of the room. Right. So he has to kind of go in there as the new guy. And I want to see how he clicks with the rest of the tight end room, really. But I, that's the only thing. And I also think, like, don't be mistaken. Like, I don't think Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson are going to be upset or they're going to hold a grudge because they no, last no. year came in with Dalton Schultz. And if anything, Dalton should have had a grudge, but they all got along. It's like a brotherhood. So I'm sure, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just assuming that it would be a case where as soon as he was drafted, the two of them got his number and were like, hey, let's hang out this offseason. Let's get to know each other and all hang out as a room. Even Sean McEwen, like, you can't forget him in this mix, too. So, um, and Seth Green, maybe it's with the tight end and the comedian. Maybe they went to go see Seth Green uh, perform or something. But I, um, I don't know if he's in Dallas. I, I don't think Seth Green, the comedian, has been in Dallas. But I, I think that's a good suggestion as a team bonding, you know? Well, and I I just think overall, listen, maybe did they reach for Schoonmaker? You know, overall, when when you look at the, where the players were in the draft, Osiris Torrance, of course, the guard from Florida went next. And people are upset. Like, why didn't you get the guard? Well, again, it, there was a run on tight ends. Sam Laporta went, Michael Mayer went. And if the Cowboys felt that like they couldn't get their guy in the third round, again, they're picking at the back end of the second. So they're going to have to reach for players that might not necessarily be at the right spot. But if they don't think they're going to get him the second time around without giving up draft capital, just pick your guy. Like at the end of the day, Trust your board, trust your evaluation, and if it's somebody that you really, really covet, and even on the secret audio, like if you hear Mike McCarthy talk to Schoonmaker, he's like, you know, you really fit our offense. Like you could tell Mike McCarthy was so happy that he got the guy that he wanted. We were talking about this in a few episodes ago or the last one, how Mike McCarthy, when he was talking about in the pre-draft press conference, like when he was painting the picture of what he envisioned as a tight end, like the guy had such a detailed explanation of it. Clearly, this was something Mike McCarthy wanted, so... The fact that they got him in the second round, you need to see him on the field, of course, year one. Otherwise, it looks a little bit more of a disappointment. But just don't press it, but just understand that they know what they're doing. It seems like he's going to fit right into the offense, and it's not like somebody like a Darnell Washington where it's more of a projection. For all the second-round picks that the Cowboys have had over the years where it's been more of like just concerns and and more of a struggle to kind of figure out if, if the guy's going to even be on the field, this was a safe, solid pick. So just appreciate that the Cowboys finally took the second-round pick and did something right with it. Tell them, Brandon. I I'm mean, trying. just let us know how you feel. Just vent it out. Um, we're all here for you to listen. But no, that is a great point. And and um, again, it's just a reminder to everybody. Sometimes you, you just don't know better than the people that do this all day, every day for a living. <laughs> you know, um, unbelievable how that happens sometimes. But um, <laughs> let's move on to linebacker DeMarvian Overshone and uh First of all, let me just say, I knew when this pick was called, the first thought that went through my brain is I was like, the puns with this name, I can't wait. And, I, and then in the same thought, I said to myself, oh, Brandon and I are going to have so much fun with this guy's name alone. And then really started looking into him. I was like, oh, heck yeah. Just the puns kept coming and coming and coming. So I'm so excited. But who is he in the room with? Well, that linebacker room, as you know, has Micah Parsons, Leighton Banderesh, Damone Clark, Jabril Cox, Devin Harper, Malik Jefferson, and Tack McKinley. Going through this uh, entire roster, there were some names that, you know, the Cowboys just ended up being so stacked up in certain positions. You're like, oh, I just kind of forgot that you were – 
within this roster. So Tack McKinley, that's not a name to be slept on, although we just really haven't seen anything from him. Obviously, practice squad member, but I don't know. That's another name to keep an eye on. But, okay, overall, what is your rating with this? And obviously, he's not in competition with Micah or LVE. We know that. Um, but how do you think he fits into this linebacker role? And how does this help alleviate Micah Parsons from overdoing it, uh, just like we've seen, and, and kind of help him not be so beat up by the end of the season? Overshown is an interesting player. And like I said, I thought that originally when I was assessing the the draft class, I thought it was a little bit of a reach. But the more and more I started looking at him and, and realizing that he's just a positionist positionless player but that's like almost a good thing like he hasn't really found a home yet he was a safety originally going to Texas and then put on some pounds to become a linebacker but he really does look like a J-Ron curse type so I'm thinking long term he might be that replacement of being a safety slash hybrid linebacker type where he's just a freelancer going all over the field but I put it at a two stars with the potential of being four if he can get on the field right away so I think if Dan Quinn has a vision him being a third round pick um, he he is an explosive player um, and I said that is very springy on tape, not be. And so this is where like the, the nicknames come in. Like I was talking about where I don't know if you saw the picture, but he, he carries a lot of armbands, uh, you know, as a player and just his overall game day, game day gear. So I, I gave a, a nickname of either the rubber band man, uh, as being like just a springy type player or Springer. And like as an homage to, uh, Jerry Springer who passed oh, away, unfortunately. So, but just his overall like feels just like he bounces all over the place. He's just an explosive player that, like I said, the positionless part of it is intriguing because he can be with the linebackers. He can be with the safety position. So it'll be interesting to see where Dan Quinn lines him up. So I think he'll be a plus special teams player to start. I think he just has a lot of energy will come in with the right attitude. I think based off of the secret audio, he definitely has some good game day drip as the kids like to say. Uh, So I think it'll be really cool to see where he lines up in Dan Quinn's defense and if he's just really good, I think you also see him be really good in blitz packages coming off the edge if he puts on a little bit more pounds. So I think the fact that he is sort of a player without a home right now, it's more of an intriguing aspect that could bump him up to four stars. But right now, I'm going to put him at two. Well, I am giving him three stars because you know through and through I am a special teams gal and anybody who can come in and just make an impact on special teams alone you have me just sucked in already. And then you're going to add more to our linebacker room. Oh yeah, <laughs> Count me in. And you know, what I really like about Overshone is he was actually converted from a safety at one point. So you talk about versatility and flexibility here. Not only are you talking about a guy who, yes, he's a linebacker. He's converted to be a linebacker, but who can eventually have that kind of flexibility with at some point if you need a safety oh yeah your safety room just got a little bit more stacked without you even trying and not only that that helps you assess things as a player helps you assess the field in a different way and i love that will mcclay really spoke on this because it it allows you to diagnose things quicker in a way because you kind of just know what is going to go on in the safety position behind you right so I love that. I love that he has potential to not only add to the linebacker room, obviously add to special teams at that point. And then at some point, and I'm not talking any time, I'm not even talking this season. I'm saying maybe years from now, you see him jumping a little bit in that safety room. Are you kidding me? I love that. This is such a Dan Quinn player. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about the theme of this draft is versatility. 
Dan Quinn player through and through. I think overshown is just um, not going to be overshown enough. I'm so excited nice. to, to, <laughs> to see him. Um, and not only that, but he did play. He was locker buddies actually with Paxton, who is Jerry Jones's grandson, um, Paxton Anderson, if you will. And um, I loved just how right away everybody was asking him about that, asking Jerry about it. And Jerry said, you know, like, He's, he's Paxton's locker buddy, but everything we did on our professional side was strictly professional. Yeah. Paxton didn't really have an impact on this, but <laughs> it is also just solidifying to know kind of what kind of a teammate he's getting at that point from actual experience with his grandson, if you will, like a locker room guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so I love that too. And unfortunately, like, I know he was agent zero uh, for the Longhorns, and J. Ron Curse has kind of taken that, so it'll be interesting to see. Again, I will throw it out there to him if he wants to be called the rubber band man, if he gets the armbands and stuff, Springer, I, you know, we'll see. I will tell you, as far as the bands, I can say um, those will probably be retired just because you're talking NFL rules. Uh, you don't want it to get fined yeah. at that point. Um, but we'll see. Maybe he could. Maybe he could sport some pregame drip. I, I don't know. I'm just saying NFL rules a little bit different with that kind of stuff. Um, and then yeah, Agent Zero also probably going to be retired at that point. So we'll see. Um, wow, you're I, absolutely I, destroying any creativity I'm I have. Just so putting sorry. a damper on the mood. Uh, hey, look, it just it makes you better. Now you have to think <laughs> of like other names here. You're giving him options. Um, all right, let's go down the list again because. Up next, uh, we have defensive end Junior Fihoko. No and relation to Simi Fihoko. No, no relations, but we, we have a few Smiths, and now we have a few Fihokos, yeah. so that's cool. Um, I love that. And so in your defensive end room, you have Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, Chauncey Goldston, and Sam Williams. So a pretty stacked room uh, full of progressive players and uh, veterans, obviously, talking about D-Law there. But what I love about this, I'm going to give him a three-star rating again, mm. only because I think there's a little bit of development that needs to happen. This is your epitome of draft and develop, which is fine. I love that mindset, but I also love that this um, is the opportunity for that veteran leadership that we had talked about uh, a lot with Jason Peters on the offensive side of the ball, but I think what this gives you is a chance for Tank to kind of step up, be that guy for a younger draft pick like this, and then you kind of see the ripple effects uh, really in his career. So when I was looking into Fihoko, the one thing that jumps out to me, if I had to pick one thing, it's you're getting a tackle for loss machine. Oh, his yeah. bread and butter is negative yardage for the offense. So anytime you can get that, I absolutely love that. I think he just needs to work on how to adjust and adjust his speed specifically. Um, but overall, he can blitz. He can play the field. And I, I, I think just the way he plays football is, again, such a Dan Quinn type of guy. But he's your diamond in the rough. To me, he just needs a little bit more work. No, no harm, no foul. You let him develop under Dan Quinn. This guy's going to be a beast. No concerns with the work ethic either. Like, he is a motivated player. He clearly, like, aced the pre-draft process. Um, I gave him two stars just because I think he's going to be part of the rotation 
early on, um, but he's also really good at stopping the run. So I think you might see him on the field with a Demarcus Lawrence on, you know, run heavy downs where he could be the other edge where he's had experience with that. But I also heard on the Dallas Cowboys draft show when Sharif Floyd, uh, the defensive lineman assistant, who, you know, again, if anybody remembers, Sharif Floyd was the name that the Cowboys passed on and traded away from in the 2013 Travis Frederick draft, which is crazy now to look at that he is working with them. And it just, again, age and everything plays a factor into this. So it makes me just feel a lot older. Um, But I also think he's very similar to the Chauncey Golston player, where if they tack on a few pounds, I think. Sharif Floyd talked about him playing the three technique, playing inside, just being an inside-outside player. So I think we might see that from him. He was definitely one of the bigger defensive ends in this overall draft class weight-wise. But like I said, he seems like he's a teacher's pet type player, somebody who's just going to soak up a lot of information. His motor is endless. It seems like any time a player goes in the opposite direction or the play seems to be over, he's always around the ball and just seems like that he just wants to be uh, constantly being a high-motor type player. I likened his stats. You mentioned the tackles for loss. We talked about this player a few weeks ago, and I, I tweeted it out. Alex Highsmith from Pittsburgh, somebody who came from a small school with Charlotte, but their final two years at college are very similar stat-wise. Highsmith had 115 tackles, 47 tackles for loss, 21 sacks, and five passes deflected. Fahoko had 191 tackles, 46 tackles for loss, 23 sacks, and 14 passes defense. So, I asked Zach Wolchuk, like, does that seem like that it's a similar type player? He mentioned he's going to be moving inside probably. But I think overall you could see the projection. And I think the Cowboys, you know, he comes from Mountain West. But overall his accolades, he was just one of the better players on the field at all times. So I think it's a great pick. Like I mentioned, just seems to be a team captain type player. Very similar to a Tyrone Crawford, I think. You might get a little bit more of that type of player from him. So it'll be interesting to see where that ends up. But I put two stars just because I think he's going to be part of a rotation early on and with the projection of hopefully getting on field and and run heavy uh, downs. But I think it's just a great pick, a great player, and somebody that the Cowboys will probably keep around for a very long time, similar to Crawford. Ooh, I love the comparison. That yeah. is that is good stuff there. No, um, totally agree. And for time's sake, I won't follow up with anything. I was going to say, yeah, this whole draft class, it's so much longer than I thought when you start breaking it down. <laughs> and here's the thing, guys. I just want to point out that every episode, Brandon and I are like, this is going to be a short episode. Oh, like, yeah. no no more than 45 minutes. That never happens. But it's, it's a good thing. We love to give you all all the information. Okay. Um, let's see. Who do we have next? Um, we got awesome. Oh, we have awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we have offensive lineman. Uh, offensive tackle. Oh, offensive tackle. You yes. are correct. You are absolutely correct. Offensive tackle. Awesome. And yes, we are saying that right. We, we had this whole debate before we started recording. Richards. Uh, also in that room, you have Tyler Smith. Uh, Matt Willetsko, Josh Ball, Chuma Idoga, and then Matt Barniok. Um, so the thing about <laughs> an offensive line guy is guess what the theme was here? Versatility yeah. <laughs> um, and flex position or anything that allows him to play multiple kinds of positions within the offensive line here. Because we've seen why uh, last season, for example, you see why it's important for guys to be able to be shifty and uh, understand the importance of that. So I wasn't surprised when I was hearing them talk about him in their post uh draft press conference talking about how he played guard he played tackle he can play outside he can play inside and he can play center i was like oh there you go that's really um all you need to know i 
I don't know. I think you see him play a little bit more as a guard, in my opinion. Um, but he ha- he has some work to do as well. He needs better body control. But I will say um, that his target hand placement is is a good strength of his. And he's a big power blocker. Yeah. So I love that too. So a lot of potential with him. But I don't think he's an immediate guy that you see right on the roster. So I'm going to give him a three stars again. I, I put three stars. And I think it's the opposite where I think he actually will play a minimum of maybe three games. Simply because I think because of him being a draft pick, maybe it's the similar effect to I put down. It's like the tie, uh, the Terrence Steele clause. And I'll say that with regards to another player too, where it's a rookie offensive lineman that the Cowboys want to just get experience. Mike McCarthy is no stranger to just putting a rookie on the field in favor of a vet. So if he seems to be a little bit better than a Chuma Odoga, a Matt Farniak, I think you're going to see him get on the field right away, especially if he has that position flexibility. He, he doesn't seem like he's in competition somewhat with Matt Willetsko as being just a pure tackle. I think that he's competing with a Josh Ball where the Cowboys talked about moving Josh Ball inside. If they show a little bit similar traits of being a flexible player, if you know Richard shows to be just a little bit better, and the Cowboys like carrying a heavy offensive line room, maybe that means that they don't bring in a vet from the outside midseason. So it could just be the fact that they just want to develop a guy throughout the entire year. But I just think he'll play a minimum of three games when inevitably Tyron Smith goes down if he's your starting left tackle. I don't wish that. I hope he plays a full season. But it just seems like that he'll miss some time, and I think you know that'll kick Tyler Smith to the outside, and you'll see Awesome in the inside. Um, I just think that overall, there's not a lot of competition behind him. Like he's stepping in; it's an open competition with hopefully getting some starting reps. So if we see him really ace, you know, the the mini camp, the training camp process early on, I don't think the Cowboys would hesitate to insert him into the starting lineup. And I think overall, I mean, he's learning from a great, great group of guys. Tyler Smith, of course, coming in last year, playing guard, playing tackle, he can learn from him, and then also. So Zach Martin, I mean, if he's going to be playing inside Zach Martin, even though it's on the opposite side, I think could teach him a lot of things, especially Tyler Biotich. So I think overall he's stepping into a room where he can learn a lot and just soak up a lot of information year one. And I think has the potential to get on the field very early on. Well, there you go. Um, okay. For time's sake, again, I'm not going to follow up. I'm just going to keep going down this list. Uh, we have cornerback Eric Scott Jr. Also in the cornerback room, you have Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore, Deron Bland, who is anything but Bland, uh, CJ Goodwin. What a good win. Jordan Lewis and Nashawn Wright, because what what would be wrong um, about that? Now, are we and- throwing Izzy McQuamu in this, or is he part of the safety group? I guess Izzy could be in this conversation. Okay. Yeah. I think that's mm. Brandon. We don't have time for this. I know. I'm sorry. We don't have time for this. We'll throw him in there just for time's sake. Okay. Um, Okay. I gave him a three star rating again. Uh, Like you said last week, good things come in threes. But I think what he does is he adds depth. I think he's a player that not a lot of people really had on their boards. Not at all. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe there's somebody in like some somewhere that, that did. Um, I think he's just a long, big guy. Um, he has that jump ability and he can diagnose the run really nicely, which, you know, the route in which somebody is running, he can diagnose that nicely. And, and again, I didn't really deep dive into him today. That's kind of on my to-do list for the week. But that's just initial reactions. I'm giving him three because the more cornerbacks you can have in a room, the better. We saw what happens when you don't. So add depth to the room always. I think I put it at a one star. And again, it's nothing against the player, the guy. 
I think when you talked about it originally, the initial reaction of, of the draft and the players that were drafted, this certainly caught everybody on our live stream off uh, by caught everybody by surprise. Um, and we were thrown a little bit because we didn't know much about him. We were actually looking him up as we were recording and going through. And I was reading through this, a lot of the scouting reports. He was an East-West Shrine game uh, player. So if you go um, and look at him, I believe the director of personnel for the East-West Shrine game, uh, his name is Eric. I forget the last name. Uh, he put out sort of like a more of a cliff notes version of what Eric Scott is as a player. He said that he's really, really good, very versatile, um, and just an overall good player with good character. Uh, I think that you're getting somebody who is a willing tackler. He's a little bit bigger for his size, fits that Dan Quinn mold to a T where he had, I think, the second longest wingspan. I mean, I was seeing a picture of him. His arms and his hands were almost down to his knees, so he's almost like the knee pocket type guy. Uh, so I thought that it fits the Dan Quinn mold perfectly. Um, and I do think that he, like I mentioned, a willing tackler. So in a room with a lot of skinny guys like a Nishan Wright, I think you're going to see him be a little bit more as a boundary corner where he's willing and able to tackle. I also put that I don't know where things stand as uh, with Nashawn Wright or Kevin Joseph. So if he can stand out early on, I think that the staff will, again, be in favor of getting a rookie um, in there as early as possible. And also, too, they showed a willingness to sit their draft picks last year when it was an in-and-out cycle of who would start opposite of Trayvon Diggs when Anthony Brown went down. I also put down that small school special teams guy with an unknown ceiling. So I think it's an intriguing thing just to see where he stacks up early on in training camp. Um, I think that, you know, he can get his hands on the football. I think he had two picks, uh, two pick sixes during his time at Southern Miss. I think he had five interceptions overall. So it seems like he's really good with his ball control. Uh, I said maybe Richard Sherman 2.0. And I said similarly because when Dan Quinn got there two years after Sherman was drafted, Sherman was a fifth-round pick. Nobody really had him on the radar. But the minute Dan Quinn got his hands on him, he turned into an all-pro corner. So I'm not saying that Eric Scott's going to be that type of guy. But I also put on here, never bet against a small school guy who wants to prove himself. And I think that based off of the secret audio, you could tell he is so eager to get into this room, be coached by Dan Quinn. He was a 30-visit guy. I think uh, this was also somebody when I was looking at sort of a reflective uh, report after him. Dane Brugler, I think, mentioned that uh, he was expecting him to actually maybe even go sooner because of him being a traitsy guy, maybe sort of a diamond in the rough for a lot of other teams. So maybe the Cowboys just decided we don't want to take a chance. We're going to trade up for this guy and just see what happens. So I think the overall product of who he is was a lot better than what happened in the moment of when he was drafted. I also want to just say the diamond in the rough reference just always leads me back to Aladdin and yes. look at a gem Aladdin ended up being oh, yeah. for Princess Jasmine. Like I'm just saying. Um, also, you mean to tell me there's such thing as a Dan Quinn effect? What yeah. news to me? Wow. I know, right? <laughs> never, never heard of that. Um, okay, I'm actually going to skip one and I'm going to save him for last because I know there are thoughts and plenty to be said. So I'm going to skip ahead to wide receiver Jalen Brooks, also in the wide receiver room, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Tolbert, Kevonte Turpin, Dennis Houston, Semi Fihoko, Dontario Drummond, and Antonio Callaway. So a pretty stacked wide receiver room. Yeah. And now that you're going into this season, it's pretty interesting because all Cowboys Nation, us included, uh, kept talking about was we need a veteran wide receiver. Will it be OBJ? It would not be OBJ. Um, it would actually be Brandon Cooks, which we are just so excited about. But that wide receiver room is looking a little too stacked now. Don't you think? It's it's kind of an interesting problem now that we have that you're, you're looking at all these names and you just know not all of them can be on the roster at that point. And 
So it's interesting to see where his competition really is because obviously CD's making your roster, Michael Gallup's making your roster, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Tolbert, you talked about earlier, big question mark here. Um, what we're going to see from him. Uh, he's had a year to learn the playbook the play style, so I'm interested to see that. Kevontae Turpin, I added to this list because he did mention how he wants to be integrated more on the offense this year, so there could be plenty of chance there. Dennis Houston, somebody who had a lot of success early on, um, actually made the 53-man roster and then got uh, kicked back to the practice squad, so somebody that I really think will have a redemption year of trying to get back on that 53. Semi Fioco, who's just kind of been out of the loop because of injury. Yeah. Uh, Don Terrio Drummond, who I really couldn't tell you much about. Um, and then Antonio Callaway, again, uh, practice squad guys. But what what I do think is this adds another layer of competition. Jalen Brooks, not somebody that really was a flashy choice at all at wide receiver. Um, but he what I liked about him is he talked about how he didn't really thrive in an RPO offense. He thrived more in an all-pro style offense, which he got when he went to South Carolina. And he just said, I needed the ball more, which is why he made the switch initially. So I like that. I like somebody who has, first of all, the self-awareness. But second of all, like we talked similar to Brandon Cooks coming on and somebody who's just been traded back and forth and, oh, that's such a bad thing. No, that gives you more experience. And that opens your eyes to different offensive styles that you know how to work within them or or you just don't. So for me, I like that. Um, I'm going to give him a two-star rating again, only because that's such a stacked room already. And I don't really know how he fits in it yet. Of course, you have the, the special teams option there and that route, but We'll get into why that also impacts like my next rating for the next guy. But what do you think? Well, you're a kinder grader. I think you're like the teacher that everybody wants because they know that they grade a little bit on a curve. For me, I need to see production <laughs> here. Uh, I, I put it at one star. Teacher. Wow. Yeah. And I, I put it at one star because I think immediately, you know, when you look at the seventh round wide receiver pick, you think immediately, at least for me, Noah Brown, who the Cowboys, you know, let go, he moved on, you know, signed with the Texans. So I think this fills a similar role to Noah Brown, where he's just a big receiver. I think this guy is a different body compared to what's in the wide receiver room. He's definitely a bigger wide receiver, uh, can stretch the field maybe a little bit, but to me, it'll be a 50, 50, if he makes the roster or not, I think that he needs to be really good at special teams, which he did at South Carolina. He talked about as something that he's willing to do. So if John Fossil likes him being just a bigger type body receiver, maybe he's competing with a Deshaun Wright, where it's more or less special teams being their core of why they are on the team. But if you can play the position well, if he can show flashes in the preseason, I don't know if this is a wide receiver that maybe Dak Prescott called. It didn't seem like that. This was somebody that they mentioned in the secret audio, like, oh, you know, when you talk to that, this, that, and the other. So we'll see. Maybe when, when the Cowboys, you know, open availability with Dak, maybe we can find that out if this is a guy that was on that list. Um, so we'll see. But I do think that it just he needs to stand out in the preseason. I think he needs to just show some flashes of him being a good wide receiver, similar to what Kevontae Turpin did as a breakout last year, similar to what Dennis Houston did. So I think it's really him and Dennis Houston kind of competing for that final spot. So if, if Dak prefers to have Dennis Houston, so maybe it, maybe that plays a role into it. But the Cowboys do love their draft picks, so I wouldn't be shocked if he still sticks on the team. I'm just interested to see how that wide receiver room looks or how it's utilized. Because again, you even talked about the Kevontae Turpin situation. Will he be on offense more? 
We don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm, excited. I'm really excited to see that. But speaking of a guy who mentioned Cavante Turpin, and we'll get into that in a minute too, uh, running back Deuce Vaughn, the star of the show, stole our hearts. I don't think there's one person in this world that is rooting against this guy unless they're Eagles fans and <laughs> yeah. kind of don't count. Um, but that he did not make cry like that audio with Chris, uh, AKA his dad and him and just everything that has come out since absolutely beautiful moment, uh, historic moment to really, I, I feel honored to have watched live and just unfold live and then see the odds, hear the audio later, see it all unfold later. But Deuce Vaughn, five stars already. Uh, like that's that's really it. He he gets all five stars, not only for the story, but again, what I love that it's been so emphasized is he's earned this. And he's kind of an underdog, if you will, because of his size, especially at that running back position. Give me an underdog all day, every day, because what you get with somebody in that position is somebody who, one, learns how to adjust to the disadvantage, which I don't think is a disadvantage personally of being a smaller running back. And two, you get somebody who's hungry, who is constantly working to be the best guy in the room. And for me, that running back room since losing Zeke has been just kind of a big question mark of what are we getting here? Is Tony? Is it just going to be the Tony Pollard show? Do you have a one-two punch? Do you utilize that? What are we doing here? And I think for me, you know, speaking of the running back room, you have Tony Pollard, Malik Davis, Rico Dowdle, and Ronald Jones. You essentially get a solidified, you know, spot with three guys, and that's specifically what Jerry said he wanted pre-draft. Was ideally, I want three of those guys, and. Deuce Vaughn just in that conversation. He's so shifty. The things that guy can do, um, it, it's incredible to me. And it's also worth mentioning, Brandon, that Jerry Jones has not shut the door on a Zeke Elliott return. So John Machota tweeted out um, about that. And I think that would be just so interesting to see how that would work out, if it would work out. Um, but all that to say, Deuce Vaughn, you get my five-star rating, man. I can't wait to see this guy in action. Again, like, when do the jerseys come in? That, yeah. That's my question. Well, and again, you're the you're the kind teacher that everybody loves. Uh, I'm the curmudgeon uh, old professor that nobody wants. Um, you're like Scrooge. Yeah. 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 I'm like the guy who still brings a briefcase into like class every day. You know. Oh like, God. Yeah. Oh no. So oh, no. I, I, you're like, the substitute. You're the substitute that everyone's like, oh man. I'm like this guy again. I'm like, do the work, and everyone's like, no, the teacher's not here. Uh, so <laughs> you know what? You're the kid in class. It's like we had homework. Oh, yeah. The teacher forgot. <laughs> that's that's what you are. You're the kid in class. Like, miss, didn't we have homework? And everyone's like, oh. And my name would be Stuart because it's always a Stuart. You know. Ew. No, it is always a Stuart. Or, no offense. Stewart. or shout out to to minkus from uh boy meets world um so <laughs> so i i gave a two star and it's because i just i i look at the the running back room and i just i i hope he has a role i hope he has something to to fulfill on the offense with regards to mike mccarthy and what they want i just think it's an uphill climb and again nothing wrong with that i just think that you know you have to see a lot of him in the preseason 
and you will more so than the other backs, especially like Ronald Jones, who's a vet, who will see some action, but like Tony Pollard will probably get no touches in the preseason. There's no need. I just think it's a similar thing with Zeke last year. It's just there's no need. You want to see Malik Davis, Rico Daddle, Ronald Jones. Um, Rico Daddle, of course, you don't know if he'll make it through a whole training camp. He's struggled to do that throughout the past few years. So I think you're going to see a lot of Deuce Vaughn. I think you're going to see him be like the Cavante Turpin this year, which I do think that if, if – Deuce really has a great training camp, and you see him on kickoff return, punt return. I think Kavansi Turpin might be looking out for his job, and I say that because if he can't find a role on offense, it'll be really hard. We talked about this versatility where if Deuce Vaughn could be a running back and a special teams guy, if Kavante Turpin can't be a wide receiver and he's only a special teams guy, I think just it'll be struggling to to find him uh, a spot on the roster for him unless John Fossil really wants him. But again, an uphill battle is like, He's been doing this every year of his football career, every year of his life, where he is smaller. He was the smallest guy measured in combine history um, ever to come through the combine. So, yeah, yeah, you, you look at the size, it's like, oh, can he last? I look at his production at college. In 2021, he had 235 carries, over 1,400 yards, 18 rushing touchdowns. That's not a typo. And in 2022, he had 293 carries, over 1,500 yards, and eight touchdowns. So the guy is productive. He's a workhorse back. It's just the fact that he's smaller. And how does that translate to the NFL? So I put it at two stars because, again, I'm just putting as a realistic aspect of I'm putting it here, but I remain to be proven wrong. And I will just eat crow and say, like, if he's a five-star by the end of this, I'm totally fine with it. I'm not against it at all. So I just think he has an uphill battle. But, again, great guy, great dude, great story. And I think he's going to be a perfect guy. Um, in the preseason to just sell a bunch of jerseys, which might keep him on the roster anyway. Yeah, you know, uh, funny enough, he obviously can't take 22. Uh, that's kind of off the table there. Yeah. But um, we'll see. Something else I did want to mention, too, is we were talking about coachable guys um, and, and really how far that goes. Deuce wants to be coached. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. he wants to be in Dallas, right? So it's something that... I will always give credit for, and especially when I start to see it, I think you'll see a very different player from training camp, preseason to the end of the season. I think he's somebody you're going to see progress pretty quickly, um, and they're going to put him in a position to be successful there. Um, Something else I wanted to mention was you talked about special teams, and he said he wanted the opportunity uh, to play on special teams because he's played on all four phases of special teams. And um, he, he mentioned, you know, he's been watching all of these Cowboys games for the last five years. And um, he, he talked about, you know, watching Tony Pollard grow, but he also talked about wanting to learn from Cavante Turpin. And for me, y'all know through and through, I'm a, I'm a Cavante Stan all day. But what I I like about this is that it kind of takes the world's, world's weight off of Cavante's shoulders essentially yeah. you have another interchangeable guy in that position that we we don't know yet maybe maybe he does great maybe he he doesn't um but if he does you just have another option there because something i mentioned to you on this podcast was when noah brown was gone what happens who's your backup guy what do you do if something happens to Cavante turpin that's something that i echoed to you as soon as noah brown was gone and now that solution might even come in the form of competition. So um, I'm interested to see how that offseason competition is going to go. But real quick, just going to mention some undrafted free agents, and then we have to wrap things up because, Brendan, we just just talk too much apparently. (laughs) 
Um, RJ, I'm so sorry for listening to this. Well, it's um, funny how we complained that we talked too much over the weekend, and like this is, uh, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you love what you do when it doesn't feel like that. Um, okay, so uh, undrafted free agents, you have wide receiver Jose Barbon. Again, we're talking about adding that wide receiver room. Offensive guard TJ Bass. Offensive tackle Oral Bostic Jr. Cornerback Miles Brooks. Wide receiver David Durden. Tight end Princeton Fant, uh, defensive end Darrell Johnston, uh, fullback Hunter Lipke, and yes, I said that right, Brandon. <laughs> I told you I was going to nail that one. Uh, linebacker Isaiah Land, cornerback D'Angelo Mandel, wide receiver wide receiver Jalen Moreno Cropper, and defensive end Tyrus Waite. So a lot of names there, and unfortunately, we do not have time to discuss now. However, you can always come back to the writer's block podcast next week, because we are on here on the blogging boys podcast network every Tuesday, where there's a lot more that we have on our rundown that we'll get into next week. But until then, Brandon, if you just cannot hold your thoughts in any longer, where can the people find you? It is at Brandon is right on Twitter. I'm sure there will be tons of content breaking down the draft class and the potential opponents that they're going to be playing. Uh, fun fact for anybody who didn't know or didn't realize, the Cowboys, of course, are playing the Panthers this year, and they will be playing Bryce Young. So I think that'll be interesting. I think RJ threw out the stat uh, on the on the pod that the Cowboys play the last pick as their last game with Brock Purdy from last year's draft and then the first pick of this year's draft uh, this year so i think that's like an interesting thing but those are rj's stats not mine and he's always creative with all those things rj is just the best and no we're not gassing him up because we (laughs) went like way over our time uh it's because it's true but you can find me at jess navars underscore on twitter tweeting all the things and all the puns as i come up with them as well as recommendations from what to get from bucky's oh yeah that today y'all are great with those recommendations let me tell you um, but yeah, give us a follow. We'll be back here same time, same place next week. Y'all enjoy the rest of your week post draft. Let's continue to see what the Dallas Cowboys do. There's a lot more time before the starts of mini camps and OTAs, all that good stuff coming up around the corner until then have a great rest of your day. Go be amazing as y'all always are and go Cowboys. 